Hey, uh, Jordan, what are you up to? Hey, Rob, I'm uh, hanging out at home. What's up? Yeah, well, same. Um, I was, I got to say, you know, we talked earlier in this week. Um, we were working on our, our Biden deck, right? With all the, you know, plans we were kind of talking about and different strategies and ways that the outreach campaigns that the the Biden uh, campaign can do to try to reach out to more people. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, we got a... We got a great head start last week. We after we finished recording, we we went over a bunch of other things, and I got to say, I was really, really encouraged this week to see that the Biden campaign seems like they're listening to what we have to say. I mean, it's it's there's no better compliment than that, right? When you're working on this kind of stuff to feel like it's resonating with the people you're pitching it to. So I'm feeling pretty good about the work we're doing uh, this week. I got to say, yeah. Oh man, I was a little nervous um, when we were putting that pitch deck together. You know, it's it's hard to follow up something like put a giant hologram of Joe Biden over the Grand Canyon. Like, yes. how do you how do you top that? But I think we I think we got close. We, uh, we colored in around the edges. You know, it's like that's the totally. centerpiece, obviously. But we're I think we're contributing some stuff as well. Yeah. I mean, I was a little dismayed that they haven't adopted my idea to go door to door and give people a baloney because, you know, everything Trump says is baloney. But, baloney, you know, there's still time yeah. for them to do that. Yeah, there's so plenty they, of time. Maybe next week they'll start doing that. Yeah, absolutely. But one thing, one thing that I was really encouraged by, um, you know, so far they haven't adopted any of the video game based suggestions we were making, and that's fine. I think there's st- there's still time to implement all that stuff. You know, it takes mm-hmm. talks with the different companies and mm-hmm. programming and stuff. So that's probably more of a long term thing. Uh, I did see trending hashtag this week hashtag LG Biden T, which oh, I thought cool. was. I mean, we. I thought we sold that to them really well. They were really enthusiastic about it. Mm-hmm. Really mm-hmm. cool. Really good stuff there. I was really happy to see that they implemented that that one. Yeah, definitely isn't pandering at all. Uh, I no. thought that was that was really great. It was very sincere. Uh, you yeah. know, you could just you ever just see a hashtag and you're like, wow, they mean that. Yeah, That's how, definitely. That was yeah. my takeaway. Yep. Yeah. Uh, another thing that I noticed that uh, you know, obviously, I was really happy about it because uh, you know we gave our advice about the VP pick. This is a huge moment for the campaign. Mm-hmm. And uh, my thinking was this, was was that like when you've got such like a far left radical figure like Biden, it's a little scary for some people. It's scary for those like, you know, uh, Midwesterners, uh, the more moderate swing voters. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, th- I felt like that could potentially be a problem for the campaign moving forward. You don't want someone with Biden's like, you know, far left bona fides to really turn people off from the, from joining the party. That's why I was really thrilled to see this week that they've begun the vetting process for none other than Amy Klobuchar knocking that. If they do go with that, they're knocking that pick right out of the park. Oh my God. Uh, because you need someone, you need more of like a sensible, moderate voice to, to balance out someone when you, when you've got such a far left uh, person leading the ticket. So mm-hmm. I'm keeping my fingers crossed on that one. I'm, th- I'm thrilled that they followed my advice there. And I'm I'm hoping they follow through on that because that's just a that's just an incredible pick for VP. Oh, it's it's fantastic. It's just I mean, you know, as we say around the insurgents global headquarters, I mean Biden's like mini marks. So to yeah. temper that to temper that image, we love him, um, but you know you gotta. Yeah, I mean the guy's like Stalin. So yeah, you gotta you gotta balance it like a yin and yang type thing. So I think it's interesting. It'll be fun. Team of rivals, if you will. Yeah, exactly. I think that's. Uh, I think that's going to go over really well. Yeah, and, I think um, so too. So the last thing, this just came in right before I, I talked to you here. I like I can tell you this. I don't think you even know about this, but we did also suggest that uh, they book Biden on uh, The Breakfast Club with Charlemagne the God. Yeah. You're familiar with that? Yeah, and yeah. I just, yeah, it just came through today. They, they booked the appearance. Oh, um, good. Yeah, I think that's going to be really great. I don't know when this is going to come out. I think the interview will probably already have happened by that time but you know i think he's gonna crush that i think that's gonna be really great stuff oh dude yeah what's the worst that could happen Uh, okay well welcome back everyone uh hello and welcome uh to the insurgents it's episode 23 uh, it's Rob and Jordan here. Jordan, how is it going? How's it going over? Uh, yeah. 
<laughs> same. Actually, not same. Not same. No. I'm not. I'm not just surviving right now, Jordan. I'm thriving. That's how Are I'm you? doing. Oh yeah, killing Whoa. it. Nice. Killing it right now. Congrats, man. I'm on cloud nine. Thank you. That's a that's a vibe. I am. I am vibing. There's no that's denying cool. that. Um. But yeah, it's uh, it's great to be back. We told everyone that we'd be back for another episode quickly because we kind of uh, we kind of took a little b- very brief hiatus. So we we wanted to make sure we fulfill all our uh, content obligations that we have. Mm-hmm. Glad to be back for another episode. And uh, who do we have coming on the show today? We've got Joshua Rush, uh, former Disney star and now host of Candidate Conversations on his Instagram channel, where he has progressive. Uh, congressional candidates come on for a live conversation about policies and and their platforms and you know their their arguments for a multi-generational uh, progressive coalition yeah so, it was really fun to talk to him great the, the bona fide uh, disney star that's We're right moving up there that's right that's right yeah pretty good stuff um in any case i i don't want to I, I'm actually a little bit pressed for time. I, I know you are too, because you got. I have to do like family stuff, and you have like gaming. I've uh, got business. Fortnite to play tonight, so yeah, yeah I got to. Pretty much the same level of importance there. Well, I mean, I don't want to. Mine's a little bit more important, but yeah, 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 of course. But um, so we don't need to chit chat too long here. Uh, we can just kind of uh, uh, get right to our conversation with uh, with Joshua. I think we pretty much covered everything that's in the, the yet another horrendous news <laughs> yeah. cycle this week. Um, before we get to Joshua, though, I did just want to, uh, we got a couple more reviews, so um, that's always fun. I always enjoy, well, you know, it's not always fun. Sometimes it's not fun, but, <laughs> you know, I, it's uh, people love the review reading segment, so I did have a couple of those uh, that I wanted to read uh, in the review segment. I feel like we might need, like, a, a musical music. cue or something to get us in here, but I'll worry yeah. about that later. Not right nice. now. Yeah. Not going to worry about that right now. Uh, so here's a, a review. Um, the title of the review is feel like these guys really get me. Uh, finally, a malarkey free podcast that really gets me great work by Rob and Ken. And also that other guy, Oh, which is that's me. I'm, yeah, I'm the other yeah, guy. Think, I've got a yeah, name. Okay, that's I wasn't sure if they were, oh, if that's what God. they were insinuating. If I had to guess, I would assume this, this review is from, uh, out of the United States. Yeah, it's actually from Canada, and the, the name of the reviewer is Canadian Joe Biden. Oh, my God. So, I've said it specifically, no more foreign reviews. This is yeah, foreign interference. On that. Unbelievable. Yeah. I, I was I was on board for most of it, and then, you know... You really liked it after that. <laughs> <laughs> then I was super on board, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, what, what else do we got here? Um, wow. I really thought paying for the Patreon would filter Ken appearances feeling scammed and that's under that is totally understandable uh that is something we are working on uh so if you do subscribe over on substack i sometimes we can't help but have ken he comes he shows up at insurgents global hq he appears on the show sometimes because without our uh knowledge or you know without our approval mm-hmm. we are working on and a, 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 a you know a feature in the substack where if you if you do subscribe you will have access to just a completely Ken-free fee. So if you hear those episodes that Ken's on, <laughs> you'll just have these like 30-second, 45-second gaps, and then we come back. <laughs> it's going to be a whole feature. We're working on it. Just It's taking a little while to implement, but I, I to, to the, all the commenters that have mentioned this, uh, I hear you. I see, I see you. I, I see hear you. you. <laughs> oh my God, that, you know how funny that would be if we actually put out Ken-free episodes? <laughs> just like long gaps of silence while he's talking. That's, we've got to give the people what they want. I mean, if that's what they're asking for. Then... We should do at least one. <laughs> that's so funny. Did you? Uh, did you have? Did you have anything that you wanted to? Or do you want to just meet? Do you want me to handle this? Handle the review segment. Yeah, I've got one. Uh, five stars. Groovy theme song. Don't really care for the two guys and whatever it is they're talking about, but love the theme music. My new alarm and ringtone. Thanks. And that is from. Uh, user ken fan 69 ken so thank fan you 69 yeah i mean i'll take it and shout out to my friends uh uh dave and antoine who, who created the theme music for the show which i was i've been very happy with since uh since we started implementing that it was kind of mm-hmm. right, right the exact the exact vibe that i was kind of envisioning when we were kind of t- talking about doing this which is like i think someone mentioned one time that it's like music you hear when you're on hold at the bank and i was like yes <laughs> yes that's exactly what i wanted <laughs> 
Um, so glad people are enjoying the theme music. Um, okay, and here's one that I do have to address. And here's the review. It says, come on, Ron and John. You got to stop having redacted on the show. The third Krasenstein brother deserves a third lifetime ban. And this is a this is a one star review. <laughs> so, I mean, listen, listen, everybody, we encourage you to get involved in the bits. Please, please, please participate in the bits. We enjoy it. We enjoy reading the reviews. We laugh about it a lot. I think it's great. Please continue participating in the bits. You don't need to give us a one star review, which actually harms the show to for, to do the bit. You know, you can, you don't need to go that far with it. I think that's maybe brave. That's maybe like taking the immersion a little bit too far. Um, if we can, if we can tone down on those where people are actually like giving us legitimately bad reviews <laughs> as a joke, that would be, that would be ideal for me. Otherwise the review is funny, but ideally you don't want to have any one star reviews as a joke in there. If, that actually, if I had to, if I that had actually, that actually hurts us. Yeah, it literally <laughs> does. So you know we appreciate the sentiment we encourage everyone to get involved with our our wacky zany bits that we do on here maybe not maybe let's not take it that far though yeah but that's good it's so funny it made me laugh yeah um, i mean otherwise it was funny yeah but leave us a voicemail also um next episode we've got a few we're queuing up so if you want to get some in before then you can give us a call at 202-570-4639 leave us a voicemail and we might play it Yes. Please leave us a voicemail. We always enjoy getting those as well. We've got a couple of great ones over the last uh, couple of weeks that we're going to play soon. Um, so please do that. Is there anything else? Yeah, I mentioned Substack subscribing there. Uh, yeah. Theinsurgents.substack.com. That's I think it. that's pretty much everything. Yeah, let's right? get to our conversation with Joshua. Yeah, let's do that. I got to go to the, the <laughs> store, the, the really fun, non-dystopian yeah. and terrifying activity that we all know and love. Ugh. Have fun with that. Uh, yeah, I, I won't. But, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, well, let's go. we're going to get to our interview with Joshua right after this. Uh, do we want to do, like... Uh, just some small talk small talk yeah this, this is the gaming segment of the show usually this is, yeah, yeah. i was just i was just about to say <laughs> the josh, gaming block. josh do you play any video games i was just about to ask god you know i was playing animal crossing and then i left my switch with my uh with my sisters down in san diego uh, oh no and now I'm going. I'm going tomorrow. I'm driving to Salt Lake City, so I'm going to be like a thousand miles away from my Switch. Uh, Holy so shit! So I will be reverting back to like my 13 year old self and playing a lot of Grand Theft Auto coming up. Oh, oh do nice. You have, what do you have a console in Salt Lake City or? Yeah, I have an Xbox in Salt Lake. Oh, let's play Grand Theft Auto. I've got Grand. I've got that on Xbox. Perfect. What's Great. the deal with Animal Crossing? Anyways, I don't really. This is something that I think is a generational thing that I don't quite get i think i I support people that that like it but i'm not sure i don't i don't um, really know what it is uh rob i hope you don't mind me asking what's your, are you are you straight uh yeah yeah <laughs> see if you're straight animal crossing is just not a game it's not for you this is <laughs> okay this is, okay it's, i know it's, street people that play it i well listen i do too i think that there's i think there's something incredibly calming about the way in which I mean, obviously I'm being at least somewhat facetious. I think there's more gay people that are by or whatever people that um, play Animal Crossing than straight people. <laughs> and I really I can't quantify why, but I think it is just the most calming, relaxing game that I have ever played in my life. Um, it's so wonderful. The vibes are just immaculate, immaculate vibes, immaculate vibes, immaculate. <laughs> yeah, I have a <laughs> friend just, that's really obsessed there. with making gnomes. For, for their island, gnomes. I guess you can make gnomes. Yeah, apparently that's the thing. You can do anything in Animal Crossing. It's unreal. In New Leaf, which I had on my DS, like back in like the mid two thousands, there was like an entire like haunted house island that you could go to, and it was interactive. It was amazing. Like the the shit that people are. It's in the same vein as like Minecraft. Like people are able to take this at least somewhat bare bones game and like turn it into incredible things. I wouldn't say animal crossing is as bare bones and it's probably a little bit more limited, 
but the way that people are able to create the most unbelievable things in it, it's so cool. It's so cool. And it's calming. I need to check this out. You plant flowers. You like yeah. make friends with islanders. You craft things. It's good. It's good vibes. We're all like stuck inside and depressed right now. <laughs> like there's there's no game that can take you out of it quite as well as Animal Crossing can. Yeah. Well, we need more straight representation in Animal Crossing, so maybe I'll take the plunge at some point. <laughs> Go for it. Live your dreams. <laughs> Live my truth. Live your truth. <laughs> I'm gonna start making gnomes. Come out to everyone as an Animal Crossing player. <laughs> yeah. I tried. I tried to play Animal Crossing for a few weeks, and it just got so boring. I'm so. I don't want to do chores. At, at oh, so sorry. Work. When you're not. When you're not running around shooting people and doing violent. Yeah. Uh, I can't stuff. kill people in the yeah. game. It's, it's not, not violent fun. enough for you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to play. I don't want to go on an island where I just plant flowers and and catch fish i want to go on an island and kill everyone until i'm the last one until i'm the last one standing like yeah. a regular person like a regular person. i uh i miss i miss the days when fortnite was more popular i think i have fortnite on my xbox but i have not played it in decades um i miss when it was yeah. i miss like last summer you know or maybe it was even summer of 2018 but it was so good it was summer of 2018 yeah. wow it's been like well in over a year Man, that was good. I played from like season three till season seven. That was oh, good. Yeah. yeah, those were good times. Oh, Man, it's, I, it's I such had a friends. Fun game. We would just hop on the phone like every single night. I would be in Salt Lake City. We would be working on our show on Andy Mac, and it would be like ten at night, and I could hop on the Discord and bingo, bango, bongo, just be playing, enjoying. I have only won one game of Fortnite my entire life, and I used to play it constantly oh, really play play again i will help you get wins it's spectacular uh, yeah, jordan helped it's, me get a win the other day it's, it's yeah, i'm useless I, in that in i win a lot <laughs> yeah it's fun i'm it's fun. quite useless i love the flex that you're very good at yeah. fortnite that would have been a that would have been like a real serious flex like two years ago but i i still respect <laughs> it <laughs> now it's just kind of sad it's yeah it's sad especially that i'm 32 and talking about it <laughs> yeah, you're 32 you're playing fortnite hey, man. man it's fun it's 2020. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like Jesus a Christ. Bit. All right. Thank, oh, that's enough for our guest today. Hey, thanks for coming on, buddy. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> yeah, that'll do. That'll do. Jesus Christ. Well, welcome, Joshua. Thank you for uh, thank you for joining us. How are you? Yeah, happy All to join. All things considered. Happy to happy to shit on your gaming choices, Jordan. Yeah, right. That's right. <laughs> well, you're joining the the tradition that the the. Uh, the listeners of the show like to participate in which is ruthlessly owning us all the time yeah yeah <laughs> i don't know how that bit started but we're trying to we're trying to stamp it out but it can't no one seems to quite get that message that yeah we don't if actually you really want to stamp it out you shouldn't make it so easy oh fuck <laughs> <laughs> sorry I'll, I'll try and be nicer my, my goodness I'm a, jesus i'm a i'm a good i'm a i'm a good young uh hip with the teens zoomer i can i can be nice i can be uh wholesome and such things yeah to the olds to the olds to the boomers <laughs> the boomers of the world <laughs> oh boy so joshua we wanted to, to talk to you about a few different things um one i guess let's start the the there's a senate race in massachusetts that uh, you've been following pretty closely and yeah. i think it highlights um many of the issues that we talk about on the show and so we've got Ed Markey, progressive senator, being challenged by uh, Joe Kennedy. And he's uh, center-left, more moderate, uh, more establishment-backed. Um, he's Wait, a sorry, House member I'm, right now. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like out of the loop here. I was told that, um, you know, insurgent challenges to like incumbent Democrats, that, I thought uh, that was frowned upon. That's li mm. Oh, yeah. It's frowned upon until your last name's Kennedy. <laughs> right, right. Or I'm you're just challenging, here. or you're just you're just challenging challenging a progressive. I mean, we could talk later on. I think it'd be we should do an episode on the Talib race because she's being challenged by a more moderate person, and no cries over that. But no one's being blacklisted yeah, it, over that. It, it, That's weird. Totally. Yeah. I mean, it highlights the hypocrisy. Aida Chavez of the Intercept reported out last year that you will be blacklisted if you challenge um, a Democratic member. Uh, so now suddenly now you got members of Congress backing Kennedy. But, Josh, you talked to Markey. Do you want to give us an yes. overview of this race? Uh, what's at stake and kind of the differences in positions? I mean, specifically, Markey is a champion of yeah. uh, economic policies. 
or I'm sorry, environmental policies. Marky is a champion of, uh, gosh, just about everything from uh, environmental policy to uh, the cure, finding a cure for Alzheimer's to gun violence. Um, here's the thing. I'll be really careful not to directly disparage Kennedy in anything mm -hmm. that I say, because <laughs> Senator Kennedy, it, you are more than free to. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Congressman Kennedy, he I is a part of this American political dynasty. Uh, and 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 he does certainly talk a big game about progressive policies. But when you're talking a big game about progressive policies and you're somebody who actually, and this is true, uh, accidentally allegedly voted to give uh, the Trump presidency more power over nukes, um, which is an unbelievable vote for a Democrat to take. Hey, we've um, all been there. Yeah. Uh, well, no, we haven't. <laughs> let me let me just say. Kennedy, uh, Senator Senator Markey is one of the best people that we have in the Senate. He's up there with Bernie Sanders uh, as far as progressive uh, members of the Senate who have been able to succeed in government and have been able to uh, succeed extremely, extremely constantly in massive, massive sweeping ways. I mean, co-author of the Green New Deal, along with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, obviously, um, champion of Medicare for all, uh, one of the national leaders in the fight to find a cure for Alzheimer's. Uh, he wrote uh, he wrote and got passed a bill uh, seeking to find a cure for Alzheimer's by 2025, uh, which obviously he's running for this term, you know, to see that out and see that through. Uh, gun violence, uh, he closed a uh, he closed a gun loophole uh, that was allowing guns to in the late 1990s to pour in from China. Uh, and uh, he wrote a fantastic gun control bill called the Mass Act, M-A-S-S, -S, based off of Massachusetts gun laws. Uh, that would be that that is one of the one of the cornerstones of a lot of common sense gun violence policy. So when you talk about champions of progressive policy, there is nobody, nobody like Senator Ed Markey. There is nobody who stands up and stands out of the pack quite like he does. Well, and something you pointed out too is something that I think find very interesting about about uh, sort of certain people in the Democratic Party, which is that uh, a lot of these people, like Joe Kennedy, for example, have a really firm grasp on the kind of rhetoric that they need to use to seem progressive and to like seem like they do champion all the same policies. But mm -hmm. um, I think as we've seen over and over uh, throughout the last couple of decades, there is a big gap between you know, rhetoric that certain liberal Democrats will employ and actual actions that they're going to take. And uh, I think it's odd to see people still kind of being sucked in with this kind of stuff now when it when really it should be obvious that I think if you're going to have some kind of credentials or show that you actually believe in this stuff, uh, it's got to go beyond rhetoric. But still, it seems like I find it odd, but still here in 2020, that seems to be enough for a lot of people, which I don't really get. I think there's a big difference between people who are able to walk the walk uh, and those who are really able to talk the talk and also just show results. Uh, Ed Markey is doing more to advance progressive policies and make these things mainstream. I mean, listen, we would not have the Green New Deal, which has been picked up by most, which was picked up by most of the serious uh, presidential candidates in, in 2020, which is something that every single presidential candidate in the coming future and every candidate up and down the ballot is getting asked about their support for. I mean, the Green New Deal has become a cornerstone of democratic and progressive politics, whether you agree or disagree with its implementation uh, and with what it says. But you cannot deny the fact that Senator Markey and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez have had a huge, huge impact on how we talk about progressive politics in this country. So him, him getting this primary challenge from somebody who, who states that he's a progressive, uh, you know, there's nobody who has done more in the Senate. And I would even say in, fr in front of Bernie Sanders, I would say that Senator Markey has done more to advance progressive legislation than Senator Sanders has. And it's not to say he hasn't been on the wrong side of history before. He's had some votes. He's had some things, as have most members of Congress. But there's nobody out there who's doing as much and is doing it as well as Senator Ed Markey. Yeah, it's another thing that I saw as well uh, as people kind of downplaying the differences between these two candidates. Uh, certain, certain, without naming any names, certain other hosts of, of uh, other popular sort of liberal-leaning podcasts were pointing out <laughs> that like, 
oh, um, you know, Joe Kennedy, he he co-sponsored the Medicare for All uh, bill in the Senate. So, you know, talking to him like he's some like he's not a progressive. I mean, that doesn't really bear weight. But I mean, I, I think it's it would be kind of odd after this whole last year long primary process where a number of people who also expressed support for uh, a Medicare for All in the United States kind of explicitly pivoted away from that. And like even even candidates like Kamala Harris, for example, that co-sponsored that legislation when it came time to actually run and say what they believe in, we're pivoting away from that. So mm-hmm. I, again, it's another thing that like, I find it kind of odd where people point to that kind of stuff as, as proof of like progressive bona fides when it should be very, very abundantly clear by now that co-sponsoring a certain legislation or using certain rhetoric doesn't actually guarantee anything about what, what the values of, of the, each individual is going to be. Mm-hmm. I think uh, people are very quick to point to, uh, Senator Markey's long history in the Congress, uh, which is a history that has been, in in Senator Markey's defense, has been absolutely filled with passing tons of legislation for a ton of different incredibly important things. Um, there's a reason that Massachusetts elected him. There's a reason that Barack Obama went out for uh, for Senator Markey and said, literally, quote, I need Ed Markey in the United States Senate. There's a reason that people who are championed by the Democratic Party have come before Ed Markey and said, this is our guy. This is the guy that we want. So more than anything for me, it's just disappointing to see uh, to see him facing a serious primary challenger when so many excellent primary challengers have come up. Uh, so many excellent actual progressive primary challengers have come up and not and and just not been given the time of day, day by the Democratic Party by the DCCC, all over the place. Progressive primary challengers are being stamped out, and when all of a sudden we have a real opportunity to keep one of our greatest progressives in the Congress, it's a little bit quieter. The silence is is deafening. Yeah, I, we talked about it earlier at the at the beginning of the segment or beginning of our conversation with you uh, that. The, the Democratic establishment, like the DCCC, the DNC, um, and the various uh, you know, Democratic Party-linked committees and organizations um, have a, you know, a kind of unspoken rule that you don't challenge um, people who are elected and affiliated with the party. And that, in some capacity, leads to a blacklist. And um, Aida has reported The Intercept that... There is a blacklist at the DNC that if you work on races challenging uh, establishment candidates or, or Democratic Party members of the House or Senate, you will be blacklisted. So I'm curious to see how people um, react when it's a Kennedy or when it's um, you know someone challenging Rashid Tlaib or AOC, things like that. It's just it's it's these types of instruments, these blacklists, aren't about protecting candidates. Or protecting um, just the Democratic Party at large, it's to beat back progressives because now we're seeing it's not being implemented when a you know a chosen a chosen one or a member of a political dynasty or a privileged family is mm-hmm. trying to primary someone like Markey, who is fine, you know he's a he's otherwise an establishment guy uh, outside of supporting robust policy reforms. So these types of defense mechanisms aren't rolled out when it comes to this you see you see members of of the house and senate coming out and 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 supporting kennedy that would never happen for someone like a rashida talib if when she's in her first primary to even go into congress you know that, that that's unthinkable but here it is someone's trying to challenge marky and, and you got john lewis out there supporting him it's it's flabbergasting it's uh it's in the same way as uh all of these kind of centrist uh, Democratic candidates kind of all dropping out in advance of Super Tuesday. It's a it's a show of force, right? It's a show of force from the Democratic Party that hey, we're in control here. We have this power here. We can move these mountains that you cannot organize. And if anything, it shouldn't right like don't agonize, organize. It should be inspiring us to be like, okay, great, let's go out and make our own shows of force. Let's go out and fight for what we believe in. Uh, even even in the face of these huge, massive institutions that are genuinely working to 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 push us down, to push our agenda down as well. Yeah, it's similar. There's it's kind of a par- similar parallel to the the like 
constantly talked about uh, mean online supporters of Bernie Sanders. That was just a <laughs> constant like news cycle a presence for basically the last uh, you know three four months. Like it's when, it was when the primary was really getting into full swing. And that's another thing where it's just like it's just another example of how there's just a different set of rules for candidates that are coming from the left. Uh, mm-hmm. candidates that are kind of establishing that are like challenging the establishment that are challenging power structures. Um, because, you know, as, we, as like anyone that has any kind of online platform can point out, uh, if you, if you criticize any other candidate that people like, uh, you're going to have all kinds of mean, uh, you know, Biden bros or Warren bros or, or K hive people, uh, <laughs> saying all kinds of mean and nasty things to you. But I never saw any like news segments on that. I never saw any, you know, uh, hand wringing uh, pieces in the Daily Beast about about what this kind of stuff was happening, uh, and that's just because it never really mattered. It was never about mean online people, but it's just that there's there's a, a set of rule book. Uh, there's a rule book when you're on the left when you're challenging power uh, that just only applies to that. That does not apply to anyone else, and that's why I think it was frustrating for to see people kind of fall for that and to, and to try and and play that game and try and 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 win people over that way when it was never really about that. It was just about uh, you know, ruthlessly crushing any dissent coming from the left in the Democratic Party. I, I agree to a point with you. I'm also incredibly careful about kind of stooping to the level of whataboutism. Listen, there's there's no denying that on every single campaign uh, for president, there were supporters who followed each candidate's, not to use Pete's word, but, you know, like their rules of the road. Um and there were supporters who were absolutely toxic, shitty people and were intense. But at the end of the day, that shows just that there are people who genuinely, seriously care about these candidates. I think that that's a positive thing, not actually a negative thing, that there are intense people who are willing to who, who are willing to fight for their ideas to the point of vitriol. That's a show that there are people who genuinely, truly care about these issues. That's a good thing for the country. That's a good thing for the party as a whole when there are people who are willing to fight for their ideals. Not to sound super overly optimistic or anything, but that's where I come from. Damn. Well, get, 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 get Rob's ass for the whataboutism. Thank you, John. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, I mean, I would, I would have been happy to be gearing up for the coming uh, meme war with the MAGA people and the, the, the Trump army. I was, I was, I was very looking forward to participating in that, but I was, I was told repeatedly that my memeing, my memeing and my toxic online presence was not needed or wanted. Uh, and now, now the Biden bros are left to kind of uh, fend for themselves <laughs> on that. And I'm not feeling too good about their chances. Oh, they're doing I great today. You mentioned yeah. it really quick. <laughs> I will say really quickly before we move on to discuss Biden bros, uh, Rashida Tlaib, who you mentioned really quickly, uh, is actually facing a really serious primary challenge from the right. Um, she's facing a primary challenge from Brenda Jones, who's, uh, Detroit City Council president. She ran second in that 2018 election, lost by only 900 votes out of 90,000 cast. Um, she got 34% of the vote, uh, and Rashida has 43% with 23% undecided in a poll on, I'm trying to pull up, uh, May 1st. Mm-hmm. So we need to seriously be organizing yes. for our allies here and our incumbent allies just as much as we need to be organizing for our upstart primary challengers like we're organizing for Michaela Wilkes and uh, and these mm-hmm. other people who are standing up to establishment Democrats. Also, on that point, she didn't just barely lose. She won initially to replace Conyers. If you remember, that election had two. Uh, there was two elections on that ballot because it was to replace Conyers for the remainder of his term from November through January, and then for also the, the, the term that we're in right now. Oh my so God. she she won to initially replace Conyers and was a member of Congress from November 29th to January 3rd, and then <sighs> Tlaib took over. So she it wasn't just close she won but for some reason people didn't vote for her the second time too and she more got her to, she got her little taste of being in congress yes and <laughs> she and yeah she is she's a you know establishment machine candidate safe for the democrats would totally you know support them with like corporate money and that kind of stuff she'll she'll play by the rules she's not going to be an insurgent she's not going to be an outsider she wouldn't be right. as progressive as to leave 
but yeah, Talib is obviously the better. And Talib is outspoken. She is tough. She stands her ground. She's great. We got to get, you're totally right. We got to get behind her and we cannot take it for granted. Like she is, that's going to be tough because she has technically lost before. And we have to remember that. Yep. Yep. She's one that we really have to protect. I think the most recent poll had her dropping, um, dropping like crazy from, uh, from God, from 54%, uh, to down to 38% of a lead. Um, that's terrifying. That should be terrifying to those of us who are like following these kinds of races. I will say, Rashida Tlaib, um, I've uh, I've actually I've had the pleasure of meeting all four members of the squad in different circumstances. Uh, Rashida Tlaib is the single warmest and nicest human person that I think that I've ever met. Yeah, uh, she's she gives, great. She gives better hugs than my mom. Um, <laughs> wow. My can I tell That's my Rashida praise. Tlaib story really quickly? Please oh, do. It's course, a very short one. It's uh so it was we were in Detroit. Uh, God, it, it was uh it was the second democratic debate. I can't remember exactly when it was, uh, but it was myself and Isra and one of her friends. Uh, and we went out to Detroit and we were in Detroit together because we all had tickets to the debate. Um, we had a lot of fun both nights of the debate and it was the end of the first night of the debate. And I decided to go see if I could track down Klobuchar because I heard that she was, um, she was at the bar at the Westin hotel in Detroit. And it was about, it must have been two in the morning and I'm running around in a suit with my Democratic Party badge um, downtown Detroit, which in retrospect, possibly <laughs> not my smartest decision, considering that I'm like four feet tall, like very small boy. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, didn't find her. I get a text from Isra to go to this like hot dog place. I have no idea. It's like a Detroit like institution. And I show up and she's sitting there at a booth with Rashida Tlaib. <laughs> and we just spent at least an hour. It must have been three in the morning by the time that we left, just talking and just chilling with Rashida Tlaib. And she offered to drive me back to my hotel, which I didn't need because it was only two blocks away. Um, and she gave me, I think about this hug almost daily because it was that good. <laughs> it was the, it is the best hug to this day that I have ever received. That's nice. That's wild. I've never gotten a better hug from a member of Congress, and I've ne <laughs> and I've been hugged by multiple members of Congress. Wow. Um, okay, he's bragging I, now. Not to flex or anything, but you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. I get some hugs from members of Congress once in a while. Okay, I can't. But I can't never say the same. But I also just don't think that I've ever received a better hug in my life. Um, so, Rashida, if you're listening, thank you for the hug. Please hug me again sometime soon, after you get reelected, <laughs> safely, and after the pandemic. Yes, and after yeah, that. and and you can see though from her from this primary the fact that she that she really enthusiastically and openly uh, supported Bernie Sanders, and there's that whole incident where she booed Hillary Clinton, yeah. uh, which I thought was amazing. But you can so tell cool. why people in the Democratic Party establishment now are, uh, I'm sure, uh, anxious to to get her out of there because uh, uh, she's she's clearly signaled to everyone that she's not someone that's just gonna roll over and play ball with whatever they want to do right. where she's really outspoken and she's willing to do that even when it's like you know detrimental for her potential like prospects or a career right. uh, which is what you want to see in, in, a, in a politician anywhere right is right someone that's, that's exactly why we have yeah. to protect her uh, yeah, we and must. we've got to we've got to be putting like all of our resources and donations and everything behind her um she's she's one of the good ones and she's one of the ones that i mean aoc is not facing as serious of a primary challenge Ilhan's not facing as serious of a primary challenge. Uh, Ayanna Presley is definitely not. We have to protect Rashida Tlaib. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah, 1,000%. Yep. 1, the Hillary booing thing was so funny because, like, the people who recoiled, reacted, like, have n no understanding of why it might be so easy for Tlaib to do something like that. Like, when you're coming from Detroit and you are actually, you know, grow growing up, working class um and you know you're you're in the situation talib is in you know working class just average mom running for mm -hmm. congress who's engaged with politics and is socially and politically aware she knows and she sees just by looking around how the democratic party has failed areas like detroit like detroit is a poster child for neoliberalism uh neoliberalism and globalist trade deals that fail rust belt cities like that 
That's super easy. And when you have people like Clinton pushing TPP, which would further pulverize mm-hmm. areas like that, and then eventually doing a flip-flop just for electoral purposes, she knows Hillary doesn't give a shit about Detroit. It's just a convenient backdrop for like a stump speech when you're trying to win union support. So yeah, she was justified in doing that. And the outrage when people came for her really like highlights that McSweeney's article, like the, 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 the behavior pattern highlighted in that uh, McSweeney's article. It's like, I love women of color unless they're politically to my left. Yeah. Or it's just like all the same people who are like the squad, y'all. It's like white women like posting like black women like snapping their fingers, yeah. gifts and like let's spill in the tea and all that shit. And it's like suddenly they're like furious because she criticized one of the most powerful and privileged and well-connected people in the world. Well, and also, and what kicked all that off was it was like a week before the primary was about to start, and she was like, "Bernie Sanders sucks. No one likes him." It's yeah. just like that was yeah. that's okay. It's that's okay fine. to say that. That's, that's fine. fine. Yeah. Uh, but you can't respond or react to that in any way. And in all the like fake pretend uh, outrage about that, uh, that was never actually brought up. It was just like she needs to know her place. Really, yep. like toxic, <laughs> shitty stuff that people were saying. Completely yeah, but- not even talking about the reason for what what that started that. But people online posted uh, snake emojis, which is way, way worse. You can't so, have wow. that, though. No. How dare they? <laughs> yeah, you can't do that. I, I believe that's illegal. If I'm I not... Think it's a felony. It should I be a felony. To, if it's I not... would need to look into that, but... <laughs> I think it's illegal. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of online, let's talk about today's story a little bit. We don't want to get too into it, but... It's f- fucking hilarious. I'm sorry. Joe Biden went on The Breakfast Club, and I, he says he was trying to make a joke at the end where he was taught they, they were talking about, you know, Biden's policies and how they'd impact the black community. And at the end, Biden says something like, uh, you know, if you don't vote for me over Trump, if it's between me and Trump and you don't vote for me, you ain't black. Um, not Ugh. great. Not something I would personally say. Uh, but, you know, Biden... Um, We'll probably be seeing that on a few attack ads, I think, between now and November. We'll probably hear that clip maybe a couple times. Just about to say, so the the speed and the rapid response team on the Trump campaign, they're already selling shirts on Trump's official campaign website. Hashtag you ain't black and quoting Joe Biden. They're already they're already exploiting it. Now oh Biden has God. since Biden has since walked that comment back. He is apologized. Um, wasn't great, <laughs> not not helpful. But here we are in a moment where and then the discourse online is the same type of thing. That that, that dynamic we just talked about. All the people running to Hillary's defense, um, same sorts of people are now running to Biden's defense and acting like it's just a totally okay thing to say and. People were saying, oh, well, there's a difference between being politically black and socially black. And, you know, he, Biden was triggered. Not by... a great day for discourse, really, <laughs> online discourse. No, no. A terrible day for the discourse. <laughs> and people like attacking, you know, black leaders who are rightfully upset by this. People, like Biden supporters, Biden bros, attacking people like Mark Lamont Hill uh, for saying <laughs> rightfully that this is not an OK thing to say. It's just it's it's unbelievable how fast they're able to kind of shoot themselves in the foot he wasn't in the news cycle and i feel like keeping keeping him personally out of the news cycle is like the best thing possible just like let him run organize do grassroots organizing get people out to the polls get people registered that's gotta be there i mean listen i don't talk to the people that i know who work at biden that often but man like if I am working on the Biden campaign right now, my primary thinking has got to be like, okay, let's just make sure he's not in the news cycle. Let's just make sure the people who are going to vote for him are still going to vote for him. And let's make sure that we don't alienate a key contingency of our voters. And then, and then, I don't know, man. I've uh, I've spent a lot of time this cycle looking at watching Joe Biden's live streams and just watching him and trying to convince myself to support him. And I, I, I've watched every one of his like youth, like Zoomer focused live streams. And I just, I can't, I can't, I I can't, I can't, I can't do it. I'm only so strong. (laughs) Well, and you saw that throughout the primary, um, even though Biden did, you know, end up uh, ahead, obviously there was a huge, huge gap. I mean, it is really like a generational gap where people, young people, 
like below like the age of 40, like not even that young, not, not just Zoomers, overwhelmingly supported Bernie Sanders. And that's not just, you know, it's like people of all races, like really, that's a really diverse coalition. Um, and we're just not at all, uh, like did not support Biden whatsoever. Uh, there's like, there's, there's like a negative, uh, enthusiasm for, for Biden as a candidate among people in that, like those lower age brackets. And it was flipped and it, it was flipped for, for uh, Biden supporters who were all kind of leaned older and did not support Bernie Sanders. And like, how do you see the Democratic Party resolving this huge conflict? Because I mean, it, doesn't, I, it seems like they're just kind of ignoring it and hoping it goes away or just kind of yeah. trying to browbeat people or insult them into supporting Biden. But I just don't think that's going to work. Uh, is, do you think there's anything that the Democratic Party can do to kind of close that enthusiasm gap? Uh, yeah, they can pull further left. It's well, really, it's like a really, like, I don't know. Let's not I'm get not crazy. Perez, yeah, but Jesus, like, chill out. <laughs> right? Like, maybe maybe a little bit Pretty radical, toxic. but like, you know, supporting Medicare for all would be a great little start. I mean, you know, just these, you know, the little things, supporting Medicare for all, yeah. uh, call it, free college. God, a Green New Deal, supporting a Green New Deal, which is a non-binding resolution. They technically don't have they could just pass the Green New Deal and then not do anything. They can yeah. do that. That's allowed. Yeah, they but Pelosi Pelosi and Biden himself have both like openly said like we don't support that. No, we don't like it, we don't support it. And he said today about Medicare for all, no no no, I'm not gonna be doing that. Um, right. He said just making it perfectly received... clear, perfectly clear that like none of that is gonna be a priority in any way. <laughs> just in case there was any confusion, you know, some people might have thought that maybe he would, but he wanted to maybe make sure he shut all that down uh, uh, ahead of time. Right. It's like they they uh, Biden. I mean, God, when he asked when he was asked if Medicare for all landed on your desk, which it wouldn't because it's you have to have a president who's going to make it a priority for it to land on his desk. But um, if, if 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 it landed on his desk, he said he'd veto it. I yeah. mean, awesome. Come on. Cool. Thanks, man. Really glad. Really glad to know my sisters uh, are still going to be struggling to find health care. Awesome. Thanks, dude. I'm excited. Yeah, it's yeah. It's people all across the country who are going to struggle to find healthcare, uh, who are struggling with air pollution. I mean, God, I'm about to be in Salt Lake City, which struggles with some of the worst air pollution in the country um, once a year because of our valley around us. Uh, the only reason that I already had like really nice masks when COVID uh, kind of erupted in LA is because I live in Salt Lake City part of the time and our air quality gets terrible. We need a Green New Deal. We need it to fix the societal impacts of climate change, of the climate climate crisis. I mean, when people talk about these radical ass policies, they're not radical. They're just mm -hmm. they're just the only means to the end of not having these huge inequities in our society. And yeah. yet, and yet, yeah. Well, in <laughs> fact, like not not committing to like meaningful, drastic action on climate—that's the radical. <laughs> approach right it's radical to like to put to put all this stuff on the shelf and say no 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 that's too much we're not going to do any of that it's too expensive but it's going to cost how too much are we going to pay for it yeah thank you joshua well we're certainly going to pay for it by doing nothing that's for sure exactly <laughs> I, one of the candidates and gosh i can't remember who it was who i had on my candidate conversation series that i do twice a week on instagram not to plug or anything wow um, not a plug that was it smooth. was it was uh it was uh uh, who's running for Congress in uh, New Jersey's like fifth district, I want to say, uh, against Josh Gottheimer. Um, she's one of the best. And, and the way that she framed it was, we actually can't afford not to pay for these things. When, when we are in such a dire situation where we may well have already crossed the point of no return, we can't afford not to have a Green New Deal. People in this country cannot afford not to have Medicare for all. We need these things and we need them now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's another race, the Gottheimer race. That guy sucks. Ryan yeah, Grimm has done does. some reporting about how he's even like Pelosi, like hates him. And he is like, he's basically on the right. He's he's so close to the middle. He's terrible. So, right. Yeah. He's another these, another he's race. JVD, to keep an eye on. He's Jeff Van Drew kind of type of uh, blue dogs, but kind of not even really even a blue dog. There's, there's blue dogs out there who. Uh, who make the right vote when it counts. There's Ben McAdams, uh, who I'm a little bit biased because he's my district and I've worked for him. But uh, there's there's good blue dogs out there who who just are in very conservative districts. 
And then there's people like Josh Gottheimer who are in a district that is easily winnable for a progressive and just will not relinquish their seat. Yeah. Yeah. Or or even just, you know, move a little politically left. Even just like a Pelosi type of uh, of political leaning would be a huge shift for somebody like him. Yep. Not to simp for Ben McAdams openly, but you know. Simp. Oh, this is a no simp zone. On no the show. Sorry. simp zone. <laughs> the simp zone. Oh, that's Sorry. good. You've been, you've been working on that. <laughs> yeah, no, it just came to me. Nice. It could be a new segment. Nice. Um, so, jo- Josh, I mean, we don't take up too much of your time, but one thing we did want to get into is you've just plugged it. Um, you know, yeah. against our our, our 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 agreement, our contract that we had you sign at the beginning. No <laughs> shameless self promotions. <laughs> no, but uh, we want we did want to talk to you about like how you've been using um, Instagram to prop up progressive candidates. Yeah. Um, just how you've been using your platform because you I haven't really crunched the numbers. I'm assuming most of your audience is young, so you're 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 introducing these people and these and these camp these candidates these campaigns these causes to a younger audience that is likely not being reached if not not deliberately by uh other organizations and campaigns and and traditional media infrastructure so you're trying to bridge that gap like what can you give us an overview of what you're doing who you're talking to and how it's going yeah gosh uh so twice a week uh on mondays and fridays at 8 30 eastern 5 30 pacific uh i've been running a series called candidate conversations uh where i bring in a congressional candidate or or even a candidate for any office i mean tonight we're recording this on the 22nd uh tonight at 5 30 i have jackie fielder uh coming on she's running for state senate district 11. uh she's fantastic by the way um mm-hmm. but uh you know when we talk about young people in politics, uh, we're not talking about 15 year olds. We're not talking about 16 year olds. Uh, we're talking about really like 20 to 30. Uh, young Democrats actually runs all the way up to 30 years old. That's not a young person. When, mm-hmm. when we are targeting young people in politics and trying to get ourselves the next generation of politically active people, 30 year olds are not the people that we wanna be targeting. By the time that you're 30, you're into it or you're out. You're going to be apolitical or you're going to be radicalized at some point in your life, maybe. But like your political beliefs are probably set in stone at that point to a certain degree. But when we talk about 15-year-olds, when we can have people who are running for the highest offices in this country come down and level with like 15-year-olds, this is why you should give a shit about me and about my race that's when we're going to make real serious genuine change yeah it's, we talked oh go ahead yeah no go ahead yeah i mean but this is this is this is what we were saying before we started recording like this is people actually trying to make a, a multi-generational uh, coalition to not just win races but also uh positively you know impact social change maybe lead to mm. systemic change and lead to a better future which you know people just kind of see it as like how do i get from a to b how do i get from my campaign right now to congress and then that's it and they just rinse and repeat every cycle what do i need to do just right now to continue getting reelected? instead of how do i reach everybody represent everybody and also lead to a better tomorrow and just people aren't doing that in a multi-generational way and so and the biggest issue for that is is the environment um, yep. People just aren't considerate of, you know, Gen Z and what the environment will look like for them. Yeah, I'm, you're absolutely right. Uh, the demographic that I hit, I mean, so for the for those of you out there who only know me as uh, teen politico and annoying uh, Ed Markey <laughs> reply guy, um, <laughs> my uh, my original background before I was uh, teen Twitter reply guy is I was teen Disney star. Uh, I was on a Disney Channel show and I played the first openly gay character on Disney Channel. And that was excellent. And that was great. And what it gave me more than anything else, uh, and and more than just, you know, a sense of fulfillment and getting to do a cool show, I got this crazy platform that I never expected to have. Um, And I got one and a half million Instagram followers. And as I became politically active and became a part of this kind of huge coalition of young people who are involved and incredibly deeply excited about getting people involved in politics, I realized, wow, the vast majority of people who follow me are 13 to 24 years old. 
that's the demographic that I mean, 18 to 24 is that real sexy demographic that everybody talks about. But, you know, that 13 to 17, that's huge. That's mm -hmm. huge. This is a huge coalition of people that we can and we should be bringing in to our group. So we've got a huge opportunity. So I've been bringing in candidates uh, twice a week to talk about their policies and to genuinely level with young people about how they want to protect them and affect change in their communities and why they should care. One of the questions that I ask is I, I point out my window to my left and I say, uh, next door to me, there is a 15 year old. He lives in California. Uh, he lives in LA. Why should he care about your race in Sacramento or in Florida or wherever or in New York? And the answers that these people give are incredible, but they always kind of come down to, you should care about my race because it's going to affect you and your life. And here's how you can get involved. That's how we build mm -hmm. coalitions. That's mm -hmm. how we make multi-generational change. It's not through being, bringing people in to the existing political, like massive machines that have already got these huge learning curves. Come on. <laughs> how do we win like that? We mm -hmm. can't. We bring people in through multi-generational coalitions and by getting them excited, about, by meeting them where they are. Yeah, not to, but unfortunately, really though, intense. that kind of hurts the people in their, their consultant jobs and their you know, <laughs> people that are doing that in the think tanks and stuff. So we can't have any of that yeah. stuff. Right. We'll make sure those people are all still taken care idea. of, you know? It's worth saying there's plenty of money to be made and that is being made on Gen Z consulting, but I don't think that it's being made... <laughs> We can talk all about, Let's talk about that consulting and everything. Yeah. <laughs> we can we can we can always talk about uh, we can always talk about that. But but at its core, you know, there's people out there who really want to create multi generational coalitions, and I've been doing my best to to bring those on. And so that's people from uh, Senator Markey, from Jackie Fielder, who I'm having on tonight, Lauren Ashcraft, uh, and uh, Rebecca Parson, and I brought on uh, Joshua Collins, Joshua for Congress as well, which was a fascinating time. Mm. in and of itself yeah yeah he made a couple of headlines this this last week real mover and shaker I noticed <laughs> um but one thing what thing was your point i think and what you just said really underscores a point that um friend of the show uh although band ken clippenstein makes frequently yes. it's that like by friend ignoring <laughs> is that copyrighted exactly. that's our Are we, we not allowed to that. We, yeah we, we have we that own the copyright on that yes oh gosh great, great great we started that uh, it's uh he he points out it's like why if when we're ignoring younger voters like under 18 like you said the, the 15 year old the 13 year old when we're ignoring people like that and it so often manifests as like shut up kid you don't know what you're talking about mm. how can we reasonably expect them to when they turn 18 immediately activate like why why in what scenario would that ever work where you tell them to shut up their entire childhood and that their ideas don't matter and you don't take them seriously, and then all of a sudden, 18 is like, hey, 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 make sure you're registered to vote. Vote. Hey, participate. vote. It's really it's <laughs> yeah. the most important thing that you can do. Of course not. Of right, course nobody's right. going to give a shit. Right. Or, or, I mean, or, or we saw this throughout this primary where it's like you tell young people, get involved in politics. Get involved in organizing activism. Uh, do that. And that's how you create real change. You can't just complain online and, and do tweets and, and do that. <laughs> and then so young people, like many, many young people across the country said, okay, yes, well, you know, I support this guy, Bernie Sanders, and I support all these uh, these progressive policies that he's talking about that would really materially impact me and no, maybe not affect that guy. the... Don't get involved there. Don't <laughs> yeah, get involved yeah. in that kind well, of yeah, And then that's the response of the Democratic Party establishment is to like put use every amount, every little bit of power that they have to put their finger on the scale to ensure that nothing ever happens and nothing ever positive changes for these exact people and just making making sure you signal to them like in no uncertain terms that none of these values and priorities are important to them in any way they're never going to happen it's not going to work and then the most incredible thing is that they come back and they act the victim yeah like oh no i shot myself in the foot how could young yeah. people do this to me <laughs> yeah. Well, and then you're saying to those people, no, you support Trump if you don't go and, and if you go and pull the lever for, for Uncle Biden in, in November. But it's really hard, I think, to make that case to people when you've just spent so many resources and so much time uh, ensuring that all the things that they're passionate about and the things they care about uh, will never, ever happen. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's not I, the strategy I, that I would have gone with if I was the in charge, but listen. You know. And again, I'm not Tom Perez. I don't have these these big things that I'm thinking about, uh, and I'm sure he's very busy. But if I'm fucking leading the Democratic Party and I want to see longevity in the party, uh, hmm. I'm not 
pushing young people because the you know what the republicans are doing so goddamn well is they're bringing in they're creating coalitions with people like cj pearson who are able to radicalize towards the right and bring people into right-wing coalitions they're really good at it and we suck at it yep. i mean on the left we suck at bringing young people in we're really lucky that like by default most young people are just left leaning just by the way that they've grown up and because of the influence of millennials on kind of gen z's lives and on the way that the first major like i don't remember 9-11 nothing radicalized me in the same way that like understanding the impacts of the 2008 financial crisis has and understanding the impacts of i think COVID's going to radicalize a ton of people towards the left um because they're going to realize oh shit well maybe maybe we should just have some health care i guess but like yeah. or hey maybe right. it doesn't make sense that uh in this throughout this crisis where millions and millions of people are losing their jobs and livelihoods that all the wealthiest people in the in the country are getting much wealthier have that's made kind of 400 a, some odd billion hmm. dollars yeah, yeah yeah that's kind of kind of fucking Seems kind of backwards. isn't it right yeah <laughs> uh, sorry i get really intense about this issue but the right is so so good at bringing young people into their coalitions and we just don't like the 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 left wing establishment just immediately kind of just assumes that young people are not going to like them and yeah you know, they'll get older they'll come over to our side what if they don't like i don't think tom perez is listening to this show but what if they don't what if you have to start making changes to your platform or you're going to go obsolete that's the thing there's it's like there's the, this by ignoring the I mean, demands, it, 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 not even a frame that it's like some aggressive, like, battle or, or conflict and, or there's tension, but just, you know, just simple, like, the asks needs. by ignoring. It's the needs. Yeah, the, sure. Let's go with, yeah, let's go with needs. You're undercutting any type, type of long-term viability. It's so stupid. They're ensuring their own obsolation. And right. that's, yeah. that's what's most terrifying for me. So right now in DSA and all these other socialist organizations, kind of you have the conversation of Dem enter, Dem exit. And one of the things that's really being left out, I mean, I haven't read Bigger Than Bernie yet, but like, you know, are, is there going to be much of a Democratic Party left for us when the right wing continues to bring in people, continues to... I know CJ Pearson fairly well. Uh, I would I would even consider myself like a weird type of friend with him, though I'm not friends with him, and <laughs> and we go up against each other literally constantly. But CJ Pearson is way smarter than anybody gives him credit for, and he's really good at bringing young people into his coalition. He's really good at it. The left does not have a CJ Pearson. The left yeah. does not have a PragerU. Yeah. And I don't yeah. think that the Gravel is much respect and love to the Gravel teams, but I don't think that they're going to be our CJ Pearsons. And I don't think the mm -hmm. Gravel Institute is going to be our PragerU. Yeah, no. Yeah. And and like you pointed out, it's like, the, I think the right does do a good job of, of nurturing these like youth movements. Um, but I don't think that means that, that, you know, if people are disillusioned with the Democratic Party, they're going to go to the right. I think like you pointed out, most young people don't lean that way and they lean more progressive but i think the danger is that people are just going to become disillusioned and they're just going to not participate in the political process they're not going to participate way. at all yeah they're not going to participate at all and that's like our worst possible case scenario i would rather have people voting republican than people not care about politics at all because these are lives on the line they're lives on the line yeah. I don't know. Maybe I actually wouldn't have people. Vote yeah, Republican, I don't think they should. But, I don't think they should vote Republican either, though. <laughs> and I would never advocate for people to vote Republican. But yeah, don't do that. I would rather have people be involved than not involved yeah. because no, there we, are we literally got, lives on the line. Yeah. The um, the the comment earlier about the the gravel thing and the the lack of a Prager you, I totally agree with you. We've talked at length before on this show about the need for. Uh, left-wing progressive media and independent media and that kind of stuff to really help build an ecosystem and i don't think it's anything that the gravel teens are doing it's just that like the right gravel. just just gonna oh, sorry, it, not oh, to correct yeah. you or anything but gravel <laughs> gravel it's nothing that they're, they're they're not doing anything wrong it's just like the money isn't there like it is on the right the yeah. right will just pump money everywhere and astroturf this shit and the democrats just keep it like locked up at different institutions like establishment organizations so there's like unification in that front but like their digital game is so weak people are trying and i, I have friends in this space obviously because that's what right. i do but like 
I know that I know that the the good intent is there, but it's just you gotta free up the money a little bit. Do you guys know? Because that's how you prop up other things. Do you know that? How familiar are you with the Graveltines? I'm guessing not ridiculously because you mispronounced Mike Gravel's oh. name, but well, I uh, Harry and what's the other one? Both Harrys. There's two Harrys. There's Harry oh. Williams and Harry uh, Ox um, Oaks. Cherry. Yeah. Not Cherry. <laughs> God, that was discourse. I've been involved in the Joshua for Congress discourse, the Harry Cherry discourse. <laughs> I feel I, I feel I, I really I came into the left wing space like, you know, like last year. And I feel very deeply ingrained, deeply involved. Um, <laughs> I think they're very smart people. Um, yeah. But I also and, and I would never, ever say anything to disparage them. But I also think that they've read a lot of theory and that it shows in the wrong way. Um I, I think they're kind of theory bros in a very big way. Uh, that can kind of obfuscate your message. And it's, 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 yeah. The barrier to entry is so much higher for people yeah. then. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. We should, I mean, the way that I was radicalized, the way that I was kind of brought into this movement wasn't through like telling me to shut up and read Marx. Right. It was through, you know, it's through, and the way that we radicalize anybody into this movement is by, is by meeting people where they are and bringing them into a diverse coalition, whether that mean a coalition of young people and old people uh, and boomers and zoomers, or if it's a multi uh, multiracial coalition. I think that nobody understands this better than Bernie Sanders does. Uh, mm. And his entire thing was building out a coalition for everybody. Yeah. Sadly, we know how that worked out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, the thing is like, you got to keep trying. Yeah, it sucks. Absolutely, it really sucks, and it stings a lot. It still stings. It stung then. It still stings now. And it, as days go by, and especially now, it's like it's hard to think about. But you know, it sucks. But we have to keep fighting. The black pill is very alluring. Oh, dude, tell me about it. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's been a yeah. rough couple of weeks for Jordan, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think oh. it's been a rough couple of weeks for a lot of us. Yeah, yeah. Um. All right, man. We thank you so much for for coming on. Um, where can people watch your interviews? Where can people follow you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, which is where I'm loudest and most annoying. It's at Joshua Rush, <laughs> and my DMs are open. If you're a congressional campaign or a campaign staffer anywhere, um, hit me up. I'm kind of booked up through kind of the end of this month, but you know, hit me up, hit my line, uh, and we'll get your candidate on hopefully. Uh, and then uh, elsewhere, uh, you can find candidate conversations on Instagram at Joshua Rush or Instagram.com slash Joshua Rush slash channel is where you can find the rest of them. Uh, and I have a bunch of really, really great, excellent ones with some excellent people, as well as the one with Joshua for Congress, which was a fascinating one. That's so cool. So you That's can awesome. check them out. Joshua. It's great Enjoy. to talk to you. Thanks for yeah, having thank me, you. guys. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening to The Insurgents. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can find us on iTunes or Spotify or at Substack, theinsurgents.substack.com. You'll get the latest episodes delivered straight to your inbox as well as our newsletter. On Twitter, we are at InsurgentsPod. Tweet at us, harass Ken in our replies, and then send us your hate mail to theinsurgentspod at gmail.com. Thank you once again for listening.